Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have Jason Bond of Bond Trophy Outfitters out of Flagstaff, Arizona. I actually have never met Jason uh, in person, uh, but I've admired his work. I follow him on Instagram, and uh, he just got off a great hunt, uh, looks like up on the Kaibab Plateau, um, and I'm anxious to talk to Jason about his uh, business, uh, outfitting business, and uh, see if we can learn something today. Jason, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Thanks, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, you're from Flagstaff, Arizona, and when did you start guiding? I am. I'm uh, from Flagstaff, Arizona. I've been living here since 93. Uh, um, I started guiding right away when I got here uh, to supplement some college income and, and whatnot, but uh, the fall of 93 is when I started guiding, and I started guiding for Marvin James, who's now passed away, uh, and yep. I guided for him for 21 years, 22 years, um, and since he's died, I've uh, started my own business, and um, three years into my own business right now. So That's I fantastic. The, did, uh, you, um, did you go to NAU? I did, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's exactly. primarily what brought you to Arizona? Uh, from Well, I lived in Phoenix and then just came up here to finish school um, at NAU. So never left once I got here. So pretty great place, great hunting all around. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm sure there's not a, a day that goes by that you don't miss uh, hearing or seeing Marvin. Um, I, Marvin was one of those guys I never got to actually meet personally either, but we had... I mean, so many mutual friends, it was unbelievable. Like, it was just hard to believe that we didn't actually know each other personally. But, um, you know, just handfuls and handfuls of friends. And, yeah. um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's pretty cool, it, you know, for not knowing the guy. It seems like, you know, every couple of weeks, no matter who I'm talking to, whether on a podcast or just driving down the road, you know, Marvin's name gets brought up, and he was definitely one of, you know, the old school guys that, that, you know, guided for a living and, and um, was a true professional. So he'll, he's, he's missed by many, uh, and I'm sure yeah. you got to learn a lot of things from him uh, over 21 years. I, I sure did, you know, and I think he's one of the few guys in the business that's actually made a, a living at it and a good living at it and uh, not really doing anything else in the offseason, and that's just outfitting full-time, you know, spreading out throughout Arizona and New Mexico. Uh, I think helped him out a lot. But yeah, I yeah, learned a ton from him and, and, and a little bit of the business and some of the stuff that, you know, I, I didn't like that he did that worked for him doesn't work for me. And I think it's like every outfitter out there, find out what works for you and what doesn't and kind of roll with the punches and, and, and just mold your business to the way it goes. Yeah. But you've there, obviously yeah. created a nice business for yourself. Um, how was your 2017 elk season, uh, and where were you this year in, in, I assume, in Arizona? What units were you in, and, and how did you see the season play out? You know, the season was great this year. Uh, obviously, it was a dry, dry year, one of the driest years I've ever seen. I and mean, as far as sitting water goes, for the guys that do sit water, it was probably one of the best years to sit water. Um, we went 100% on the elk hunt this year. Started out with early rifle bull and .22 North um, with a with a kid that drew uh, a unit ten late bull tag last year and, and hired me. 
he happened to draw this year with just his, uh, his uh, hunter ed point is the only point he had. He hasn't been around long enough to get his five-year consecutive uh, extra point. So I think he drew with one point on that 22 of the rifle, and I found a bull on Thursday evening before the hunt that uh, we ended up shooting right at daylight on opening morning. So we wrapped that hunt up in a hurry, and, and uh, that ended up being a great bull. Uh, got the kill shot on video. It's on that Instagram page. But he made a heck of a shot at 300 yards, put the bull down, uh, and that bull ended up right at 386. Uh, gorgeous 6x6, six six, had a little bevel point on the left side, so kind of a 7x6 six practically. But, yeah, it was a phenomenal hunt. After that, we moved into 7 East, probably one of the toughest units in the state right now, in my opinion. But that's that's where I had my hunters this year and ended up doing four hunts in 7 East right after that for archery bull and then early rifle bull and uh i think we averaged right at 331 for the unit um killed an early rifle bull that was right at about 350 and then uh, archery bulls that were all 320 to 340 um and again it's 7e's has just been getting getting hit so hard and and uh it's always been a tough bugling unit, but uh, we, we got in some bulls that were going pretty good and just persistence paid off on them and stuck with them, and we ended up calling in uh, every one of the archery bulls, and then the early rifle bulls, one of the bulls we didn't kill on the archery hunt, and we ended up going in there and uh, killing them on the second morning of the early rifle bull hunt. That's fantastic. So um, 7 East is one of those, you know, it kind of gets overshadowed by 7 West, but historically has never been as good, I think, as 7 West. Curious your thoughts on that. And it seems as though the tag pressure, it gets quite a bit of pressure, uh, doesn't have near the elk as 7 West. Would that be your assessment as well? That's no doubt about it. You know, 7 West has a lot more hiding places, um, other than the mountain itself in 7 East that obviously can get overlooked on some pockets and stuff like that. It's just obviously remote, but... The rest of the unit is just glassable, and as you know, as good as anybody, um, hunters have gotten way better in the last 10 to 15 years. I mean, they just are, are incredible hunters out there these days, and everybody's got a pair of 15s. Everybody's got a tripod, unlike what you saw 15 years ago um, or even 20 years ago. But these guys are, you know, everybody's gotten better, and everybody's going with buddies, and everybody's covering ground, and these late-season bull tags are, are hurting these units. Um more so than I think a lot of people think. I mean, these guys are successful on these late hunts, and 7 East is one of those units that you get up high, you glass, you're going to see elk, and you're going to you're going to get them to bed, and you're going to get them killed. Um, yeah, and then I, I totally agree with you, Jason, on the other aspect of not only the hunters getting better, but they're killing older age class animals, I think. I think they're killing uh, bulls that, you know, they're they're killing all those a lot of those top end bulls. Uh, whereas it seems like you know, fifteen twenty years ago, when they weren't glassing with tripods and you know high power optics, they were shooting a lot of you know small young bulls and and um, so you know we always want to harvest mature animals for sure. But I think um, we've gotten as a hunting community, we've gotten so dang good at our craft. Uh, and glassing and such that um, I think overall quality is declining uh, in Arizona elk. I think, you know, our tag numbers seems like they've been up uh, for for the last handful of years, and um, it's kind of finally taken its toll. I mean, there's always going to be a good bull around here or there, but um, it, it definitely seems like it's getting harder. 
No doubt about it. I mean, that's that's exactly it. Um, you know, cameras have obviously played a big role into that. People know where they're at, and they put themselves in the right area to be after the, uh, the older age, the bigger bulls, or the bigger bucks, yeah. or, or whatever you're hunting. I mean, that's just the way hunting's going these days, and, and we are knocking the top tier off, and uh, these units that maintain an early rifle bull tag, you're seeing the decline in the older age for bulls for sure. I mean, Ken's a perfect example of that, where we saw 100 early rifle bull tags for a long time, and now we're back down to, you know, a reasonable amount. I think we're at 40 this year. Um, but they've got to bounce that unit back around. Uh, and, and we saw it on a strip this year, too. I mean, the auction tag got turned over to Doc this year. Uh, the, the, you know, the, the guy that bought the auction tag... Um, Turned it, turned it back in. Doc ended up picking it up, and, and he's going to be hunting for a buck that I guess the, the original guy didn't want, you know. Um, so you're, you're definitely seeing it across the board on every species and every unit throughout the state, no doubt about it. Um, for sure. Cameras, tell you, cameras are telling you what out, what's out there. And this year is one of those special years that we had the moisture, we had the horn growth. And the, the, and the animals are as good as they can be and as healthy as they can be right now. And, and with the dry weather we've had the last two, three months, um, people know what's out there. I mean, they've got to hit that water. So so we know what's out there. And, and uh, the end of the season that's coming up is going to be phenomenal. Um, there's going to yeah. be some giant bulls going down, and there's going to be some giant bucks going down for sure over the next three weeks. Yeah, for sure. Speaking of giant bucks, um, it looks like you guys had a phenomenal hunt on the Kayabab. Um, before we get to that, one thing I wanted to bounce back, um, you had said kind of early on that it was one of the driest hunts you'd seen in, in a long time. I just want to be clear, y you felt like it was good uh, summer moisture, spring moisture, and the antler growth was good, but I think what I hear you saying is that before the elk hunt started, it just dried out, and we haven't had rain in like 75 or 80 days. Is, is, that, is that what I heard you say? Exactly, exactly. The, the rains and the snows hit this year at the perfect time. The feed is phenomenal. Um, and again, for, for the guys that like to sit water for those archery elk hunts, I mean, you couldn't, have, you couldn't have planned a better year for guys sitting water this year. I mean, it was just as dry as can be. You know, I mean, you, yeah. you could go out there and you could find so many tanks that were dry, and then, and then the tanks that got water were just getting pounded. So um, it was... The stars align this year for the hunters to be successful, and, and I think we'll see the ramifications of that uh, this following year. You know, hopefully, uh, sure. hopefully we get quite a few that make it through, and, and the horn brooks comes around. But so far, the winter's not shaping up so great, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, let's hope that uh, it's uh, not a sign of what's to come. Well, I'm looking at the Instagram page, uh, Bond Trophy Outfitters. I encourage the listeners to check it out, and I'm looking at a buck. Um, just a, a gnarly, looks like a Kayabab buck, um, beautiful type country in the back, just that typical Kayabab looking stuff. Um, tell me about this buck that's 35 and a half inches wide, the 14 by nine buck here. Yeah, he's just a beast. Um, he was videotaped and, you know, quite a few people had seen him this summer. Uh, he was summer range up on top of the Kaibab where, you know, most bucks are, except for the ones that come off plants of Um, you know, uh, we, we were hunting 12A West. I ended up killing three bucks out there. I had one guy left in camp, um, and he was a 12B hunter. So, uh, 
I rolled out into 12B and, and found that buck. Oh, the first morning I went out, I had an idea where I thought he might go. Um, just basically off the top of my head, 25 years of hunting up there. Um, and luck, luck had it that, that I rolled out that first morning into 12B and I found him. Um, and, and there was a lot of luck involved in that, obviously. But, you know, I, I kind of knew some previous bucks that summered in the same area he was at uh, and, and kind of where they would end up. And I've found in the past, uh, when I find sheds up there of, of these big bucks or other guys find sheds of these big bucks, that these bucks will go back to that same spot every year. And occasionally I will find that buck real close to where that shed was found the previous year where he made a shed. And this is, uh, we're talking 25 to 30 miles from summer range to where he was killed. Um, but yeah, I rolled out and I found him that morning. I think it was day five of the morning and uh i called up my guy that had had this hunter in camp and got him over there at about twelve thirty in the afternoon and i had just decided to get on his track and and so i got the hunter and put him on my shoulder and just told him you know hold that gun like you're quail hunting and when he jumps i want a hole in him and i don't care where you get a hole in him and and uh, we had a canyon that surrounded this little island that he had uh bedded on i couldn't see him where he was bedded but i did circle it prior to them getting there and couldn't pick him up anywhere, and I knew he didn't slip out of there, so I knew he was within about a 150-yard circle. And rather than wait him out for the evening and take a chance of never seeing the deer again, I decided to get on his track and um, kind of explain that, you know, once this deer jumps, we're going to get a shot in the air, and then we're going to bust butt to the edge of the canyon and, and try to pick him up on the other side as he's coming up the other side if we don't don't get a hole in him. And we went about 100 yards on that track where I'd last seen him, and jumped him at about 20, 30, 35 yards, and he gave us a great alley. I dropped down on my knees, and that hunter made a phenomenal shot um, and hit him, and we, we busted back to the edge of the canyon where, where the deer was going, and right away we could see blood, and a lot of blood, um, you know, probably volleyball-sized pools of blood as he was running full speed, got to the edge of the canyon, and we could, uh, we could see him piled up well, about 50, 55 yards off the edge of that rim um, where he ended up in that canyon. So, you know, it all worked out, worked great. I mean, we walked up to that buck, and I took a picture. I think it's on that Instagram page through the binoculars there from the rim at about 55 yards down and see that one horn sticking out of the dirt. And I had a good idea that morning that it was that buck from, from the summer up in the summer range in the velvet. And um, when we got down there, sure enough, you know, it was it was him. And, Quite an impressive deer, but yeah, it all worked out great. Um, call him a baby giant, you know. I don't think that deer was four years old. I think he was right at three and a half. Yeah, I mean, it, his face and body and such, he looks like a younger deer, but it's like, God, when you get a rack like that, I mean, you're hunting public ground. I mean, it's not like you go, oh, he's a young deer, we can't shoot him. I mean, he's a giant. Um, just cool kicker points coming off everywhere. And, yep. um, but it, but it, but it is one of those bucks, probably uh, us guides just sit and think, golly, you know, what, you know, <laughs> two, maybe three, like two years, what would, I mean, this buck could have been just an un, it's already an unbelievable buck, but you know, you sit and dream, don't you? Oh yeah. You sit and look at that deer and that deer's going to be a 280, 290 if he's six years old. Uh, no doubt yep. about it. He's got the frame of it. He's going to have the extra points. He's got 
he's got stuff everywhere, and then he's got those double fork and cheaters off each side. Um, pretty much on a main three-point frame that's, uh, you know, right at 180 on a main frame. Um, I think he's 29 on the main frame, and he's got a 29-inch main beam on one side, a 28-and-a-half on the other. Uh, yeah, he's just a, just a beast of a buck, you know, just phenomenal. Yeah. Just an awesome buck. That the right main beam is just it just goes and goes and goes. Twenty nine and a half on the beam, huh? Twenty nine and a twenty eight and a half. Yeah. Oh, that's phenomenal. That's yeah, he's an incredible, incredible buck um, for sure. Had to have scored two twenty five, two thirty. What what did he score? He's right at two thirty six and uh, and two eights is what I take him yeah. at. Yeah, I mean he's got yeah, that he's... one cheater that's. And then he's got a cheater off the cheater. It's like, gosh, that's, that's what everybody dreams of. But, yeah, you put that deer at six years old, and he could be a you know 280-inch buck. I mean, he's got the frame. Um, pretty phenomenal. Well, congratulations on that. And it looks like you guys shot some other great deer um, up there. What hunts do you have coming up, uh, and, and how do you see the outlook on those hunts coming up? I, I You know, I think... Uh, I appreciate that, but yeah, it, I, I think I think the outlook's going to be phenomenal. Now the strip hunt starting this Friday, I don't, I'm not going to be on it. My dad uh, was fortunate to get a uh, champ tag in Unit Ten, so I'm going to roll out with him on on this Friday is the opening day for that. So uh, I skipped on the 13B tag, but I do have 13A hunters. I've got two 13A hunters, and the outlook on that is just unbelievable. I I, I think. A lot of those deer last year slipped through the cracks on on uh, on the 13A hunters. Um, last year was a, a different year. They bumped that 13B hunt after the 13A hunt, which I think hurt the 13A hunters, which obviously helped the 13A hunters this coming year. And they bumped that hunt back to the 17th of November this year, and the rut's just going to be ripping. That hunt's going to be, I think, off the charts for 13A. It won't be as good as 2010 was. Uh, but it, it is going to be good. There's several bucks that are going to go in that 230-plus range. I think, you know, there's a couple bucks that are going to be in that 250 range. Um, but there's there's a lot of great bucks in that 195 to 205, 210-type range. So it, it, the guys at 13A tags are going to have a great hunt. I believe it's going to stay dry for that. 13B is just going to be a slaughter, I think. Uh, with the way the dry weather is, you know, deer are going to get killed within a half mile to three quarters mile of water. Um, cameras are playing a key role this year. 13B is just, just the best bull as always, uh, but more so this year. 13A is going to be the same. Um, and then, and then I'm going to jump over on the late Kaibab. I've got some 12A East hunters this year, so, uh, going to do some 12A East hunts, uh, which, which is always a toss up since the, uh, you know, the fire down at Solwatch in 95, uh, the deer have gradually started moving west and, and north into 12B and not so much into 12A east. Um, but I did see, uh, there's a kid out of Williams that killed a buck in 12A east on the early hunt that uh, looks like it's going to go 230, um, just a giant. So they're, they're definitely deer in 12A east, but, you know, that's a, that's a tough hunt, and we'll see how that goes. You know, I, I would venture to say off the top there's probably 10 to 15 percent of the deer that are going to 12a east the rest are going to 12b and 12a west so 
we'll see how the cards play out with that, but it, it's shaping up to be a phenomenal year. I think the rut's going to be strong. We did see some deer on the early hunt pushing around a few does, not getting real serious, but, uh, you know, some 170, 180 type bucks that were moving some does around. Um, so I think it's, uh, it's shaping up to be a phenomenal year. For those listeners out there that are listening, that are, say, going on their own, doing do-it-themselves hunts, whether that be, you know, some of these late deer hunts or even late elk hunts, some of these, you know, late muzzleloader elk hunts and such, you mentioned water. Um, what would your strategy be? What would you, how could you tell the listeners to make their hunt better, more effective? Like what strategy would you tell them um, to, to, to use in these late elk and deer hunts moving forward? Well, you got to have your three keys. I mean, that's that's it, and that's that's how you're going to find big stuff and kill big stuff, and that's food, water, and cover. Um, and traditionally, where big bulls or bucks have been, you're going to find them again. But you know, one of the one of the key factors I like to I factor in besides those three elements um, is where has nobody hunted, or where has the least pressure been over the last several years. It's kind of goes back to how you started this conversation about, you know, guys getting better and guys killing these older age class animals. Um, in my opinion, on finding, especially on the Kaibab Plateau, uh, the strip, you know, has low enough tags, um, but the Kaibab Plateau and some of these elk hunts have so many tags and there's so many good mature bulls killed and, and these older age class bulls getting killed. Sometimes you got to break out of the norm and go to some oddball spot that you're going to see a tenth of the deer or the tenth of the elk that somebody else is going to see on the other side of the unit. But you have the chance of finding that older age class animal that hasn't been hunted in several years. So that, that's yeah. one of the keys I try to do. Um, I try to go to an oddball spot, um, especially on the Kaibab. I mean, that burn obviously gets hunted like crazy now. Um, it's very tough to find a deer that's five years old in there. If you get to the other side of the unit where it hasn't burned in a long time, um, sometimes you got those older age class deer. But you know the, the the biggest key to anybody getting out there right now, you're gonna be you're gonna have to be by water, and you're gonna have to be in the feed. And right now the cliff rose is off, you know, just off the charts. The sage has been really popping lately. Um, those bulls in the bucks, I mean, they are gonna be just pounding on the cliff rose. Um, and there are some bulls still, still with some cows, saw some 330, 340 bulls the other day with some cows, um, but they are starting to get off of them, and, you know, I think these late, late bull hunts, for sure, on the rifle hunt, they'll be by themselves, um, so if guys are seeing cows and spikes and raghorns, you need to go the other direction. If you're seeing nothing but, you know, decent bulls, you're, you're probably in the right spot, you just gotta dig a little deeper, um. Don't you think too, Jason? Don't you think too, with uh, with as dry as it is, if guys have the picking knobs and points and ridges to glass off of, like pick areas where there is a dirt tank, pick an area where there is a drinker or you know a creek in the bottom. Like those animals, they 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 have to go to water, and they're probably going to be concentrated closer, uh, if not you know closer to water than further. And I would say like a half a mile and closer. I mean, what would you say as far as giving advice, picking a knob? You know, you definitely want to be kind of in the eyesight of water, don't you think? No doubt about it. Um, 
yeah, I mean, you, you want to be within water. Um, I mean, I'd, I'd stretch it out further than a half a mile, but, uh, you know, if you can see a dirt tank or put yourself in the middle of three or four dirt tanks, um, me personally, I like dirt tanks just because the cameras aren't as effective on a dirt tank. Um, I like to get away from the cameras. Not a, I'm not a huge fan of cameras. Um, but I, I put myself in a bunch of dirt tanks. Guys don't normally hunt those as hard as drinkers because the drinkers, you know, catch every deer, every elk coming in. But, yes, you, you definitely want to be glassing from a knob that you've got water around you or, like you say, within a half mile to a mile of water for sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely definitely the advice I would give as far as water and feed and cover. Um, you, you, you want all that stuff. Well, that's that's good advice, and um, I know you've got a work day today, so I'll let you go. It's been awesome talking to you here on the podcast. Uh, looking forward to seeing your success and encourage the listeners to uh, follow you on Instagram, uh, and they can also go to your website. Um, but uh, you check out Bond Trophy Outfitters, and I believe your website is bondtrophyoutfitters.com as well, is it not? It is, yeah, and there's a Facebook page on it. And then, uh, actually, I've got to post up a few more deer from the early tie bat that I haven't got up. I've got a couple of real good kill shots. Uh, that 22 bull, like I said, that's a really cool kill shot if you guys haven't seen that. Um, yeah, and that kid's, that, what, 14 years old? He is, he's 14. Um, drew that 10 late rifle bull tag last year, killed a 325 bull with me on that hunt. Um, yeah, he's a super good kid. So, yeah. But, yeah, he's a pretty that's, fortunate guy. <laughs> that's awesome. So how but if the listeners uh, want to quest, yeah. If the listeners want to get a hold of you, what's the best way to reach you? You can just give me a call on my cell phone at 928-637-8378 or shoot me an email, and that's just uh, jbflagstaff at gmail.com. But if anybody's got questions on applications or where to put in or what to stay away from, um, you know, I think you've done some podcasts on the on the draw system, and, and obviously, so many guys want to hold out for that 13B tag. And the guy that killed that that 235 inch deer on the on on the early hunt this year was waiting for that, but he had nine points. Um, obviously, he's got a long wait with with the the point creep and everything. So he decided on drawing that and killed probably a better buck than most. Well, I guarantee most most people kill on the 13B hunt this year. So for sure, you for sure. Well, man, give yourself the opportunity to hunt. Yep, you can't kill them if you're not hunting, for sure. Uh, well, thanks for uh, sh- sharing with us, and uh, really appreciate you um, uh, coming on and, and spending some time with us. Wish you the best uh, moving forward. And all right, uh, man, appreciate it. You too. Uh, all right, buddy. You take care. <laughs>